Awesome. Well, welcome to the podcast this week. We're super excited to delve into the magic of mentoring. That's what I'm going to call it today, Brett. And I want to kick off with asking you around mentoring. Is this a new concept? Has this been around recently? Was it called a different thing? How long have you seen mentoring around for? Well, because I am, of course, the wisdom worker, I need to think back many, many, many years, Felicity. Look, I think in my experience, mentoring as a concept has been around a long, long time. It's probably just been given different names, right? You know, if I think back when I was in the police, I first got sworn in and I had a field training officer who I was assigned to, and this is going back like early 1990s, and their job was to, in effect, do what a mentor does right now, or whether it's a guide or a coach or something. So, you know, in my experience, the idea of mentoring has been around for a long, long time. And I'm sure it will continue to be around for a long, long time. It's just been given a, a hook or a title, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And I think I sort of started hearing about the concept when I went to, say, women in engineering events and people saying, oh, you got to get a mentor, got to get a mentor. What is this mentor thing? What's it about? And I think in the early days of me kind of figuring out what a mentor is, I picked a lot of the wrong people as in it was sort of like, oh, that person will do or I'm going to go to that person or they're successful. I'm going to just, you know, talk to them. And often I found myself getting advice from people that actually wasn't quite the right fit. And I wish I'd spent some time actually thinking about what kind of person that I wanted to kind of have as a mentor. And I realize there's a few different things. There's, you know, people who give you advice. There are people. Not a mentor. Shouldn't be a mentor. Not a mentor. Give you advice. Yeah. Uh, Then there is, how would you define mentor? Let me ask you. No, no, no. You tell me how you define it. Don't throw it at you the first time. (laughs) Well, yeah. And then there's the advisors, the people that give you information. The mentor one, I think it's a combination of guiding people. Sort of, it's not coaching. I think coaching is a different, different realm where coaching is, here's, the person's asking you the question, soliciting the information out of you. So I think the mentors are a mix of they've got experience, but they also, I feel, know their place really well. As in, I've got mentors who say, you know, I'm a I'm an old white guy. I can grow a beard to look older. You can't do that. So here's my advice from my perspective and my journey. Or I'm an extrovert. So I know these things are going to work really well for me. And here's a story and here's a piece of experience you take from it what you will, where I feel like an advisor would be more telling you what I, you look, I, I agree with you. I think that the way I sort of look at the mentor-mentee relationship is it needs to be exactly that a relationship. It should be about a conversation rather than a one, one-sided, this is what you should do or have you thought about this, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The best relationships I've had either with a mentor or with a mentee are those where I feel like it's an equal conversation. And in my experience, a mentor's role is to guide, to some extent, not the end point or the decision, but the thinking process throughout. And so, you know, I have a, a couple of mentees and and one of them I, I absolutely learned something from every single time I've been a mentor in this relationship for about four or five years now. And a lot of the things that I do with my mentee is say, well, this is what I've seen before. Have you thought about blah, blah, blah? But never, ever do I say this is what you should do. So I think at the definitional piece, a mentor in my experience is somebody that helps you think and find your own way. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. And what if they do want 
you to tell them what to do? Do you tell them or do you help them make the decision? How do you approach that? So I think this goes back to, and you sort of already touched on this before, it's probably not a right relationship for me as a mentor. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that we'll talk about later on is how to support a mentee, but at the same time flipping it to say, as the mentee, how do you support the mentor? So in my experience where I've had somebody put it on me, I say, it's not my job here. And I think this the, the early stages of the relationship have to be about establishing what those boundaries are. And so, you know, the way I sort of deal with that when somebody asks me to be a mentor is, is I say, tell me what you want out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. I set really clear expectations up front. This is what you'll get. This is not what you'll get. This is how I operate. Tell me how you operate. And for me, it's almost like the first conversations about the relationship is, is there a good connection there where both parties feel like they'll get something out of it? So I think that's the way that I would always do it. You know, it's it's slow it down and say, is this a relationship, good relationship? Because without that relationship piece and that trust piece, I don't think it will work at all. Mm. I just don't think it will work. Agree. And whether you've got a mentor in a strict mentoring program or whether it's more of that developed relationship in another context, I think it's important to go in with an objective, whether it's I want to develop myself or I'm looking to achieve this in my career. There's something that you're almost working on together I find really helpful, even if it's I don't know what I'm doing and I need to know that and keeping it really clear between the two people, like you said, that developing that relationship and setting those goals, I guess, to work towards. Because often if you're sort of just you know talking and there's no purpose or there's nothing that you're working towards, can be a bit of a, you know, I feel like it's often a pointless conversation. Oh, look, I agree. And, you know, where for me it's worked really, really, really well is where the mentee, and this is part of the preparation piece that, you know, we were already going to talk about later or the support piece, when a mentee sends me, these are the things I want to cover off on our conversation before, mm-hmm. right? So what that allows me to do is it allows me to get my mind and then to start to say, okay, well, this is how I would address this or these are the pathways that we might want to go down the conversation. And I think, you know, that you need to be really honest as part of the mm-hmm. relationship with the mentee-mentor. You know, I've had some, I've had some situations where, in effect, all somebody wanted from me as a mentor was to open up the doors for them. Now, I said, that's not my job here, you know, mm. and, and, I, and I just I withdrew from that relationship pretty quickly. But, but I, I do think as part of the first steps, as a mentee, in my experience, where I've had a great relationship with a mentor, I've looked at them to say, what is it that I can learn from their experience to help me grow as an individual, if that makes sense? Mm. What about you? What have, give me an example of some of the things that you've learned not necessarily about yourself from a personal perspective, but what have you liked about some mentors versus not liked about others? It's a great question. I've had a lot. And I think the ones that I find the most helpful are, yeah, when I can authentically share what's going on, you know, the real story. And just recently I'm dealing with a challenge in one of my businesses and I had a catch up with a mentor and I said, oh, yeah, it's fine. I can't, you know, it was a bit vague about it. And then I called him back later I said, I just tell you what really is really going on. Can I just be completely open about it? And he said, sure. And I shared, here's a situation, really struggling. I feel like it's pretty confidential, but I just would love your advice. Can I talk to you about it? And it was so helpful. And he's like, you know what? You can go back and have another conversation. You can go do that. It's okay. It's your right, you know, within the business to have this role and ask more questions. And you can, you can absolutely, you know, 
do X, Y, Z. And so I think someone that I can be authentic with and and share what's really going on, as you said, is really powerful. And I think when they reflect back kind of a lesson or in my in an experience that I've had. So for example, I remember sharing about some of the challenges I had when I was at university. And, you know, the guys would pay me out or whatever they would, you know, would happen. The experiences, they were quite challenging. I think going from an all-girls school to a quite male environment. And then in the workplace, in my first few workplaces, I also had some negative experiences with some of the the team. And I shared this with my mentor and he said to me, wow, it's amazing that you went on to go start a not-for-profit to encourage more girls to actually go change the industry. So many people would have quit And I often don't even see the lessons or the value in some of the things that I've experienced until the mentors really draw them out. And I find that so helpful and motivating to really, you know, get those nuggets and and use those as motivation to continue. Tell me about, in your experience, what's what's a great first starting question that you like to have either as a mentor in your toolkit or as a mentee to receive? Because I've got one that I use all the time. If it's a new mentor, I'd say something like, thanks so much for making some time to chat. I'd love to know why you said yes. Oh, that's good. Oh, I like that. What about as the mentor? Oh, um, I think I'd ask what what they wanted to accomplish and have it be more goal-focused or what does you know what does success look like painting that big picture? So the, the question that I always ask as a mentor is, if you could create a job, what would it be? And then I say, my job is to help you get closer to that job. Because the reason I sort of talk about that at a at a base level is it, it automatically sets the expectation that this is a journey rather than uh, answers answers in, you know directly if that makes sense. Mm. So I, I that's I always start with that one, and it's funny when when I start with that one, I can I've seen a number of mentees really struggle with it, and then I send them away. I said, right, come back and tell me next time we catch up why that job, why this one, and how we're going to get you there. But I've had one mentee who went away and did this humongous value proposition about the role. And it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. So so I think it's a really, as a mentor, you've got to understand what your job is. Is your job to tell people what to do? I think the answer we both agree is that the answer is no. Is your job as a mentor, and I'm keen to get your views on this, Felicity, is your job to stretch the thinking of the mentee? Oh, totally. I think so. I think it's, well, I think lead the conversation, push people out of their comfort zone. But then having said that, you know, people have tricky situations and I think sometimes it's okay to have a difficult time and share that with your mentor because I think there's this perception that we, you know, should be doing amazing, great things, high performing all the time. And that's just not the reality of life. There's all different, you know, colors and situations that we need to deal with. So I think being real about dealing with family things or that things are challenging, it's not always going to go great all the time. And I think that is the role of the mentor is is really to look out for your mentee. And just as you were sharing then, Brett, you reminded me of one that I had and it wasn't an official it was in an official mentoring program. And he said to me, you know what? I'm here for you. And if that means you leave this company, that's cool. That's just the right thing for you. And it was so refreshing. I thought, oh, great. Now I'm not going to have to pretend like, oh, this company's amazing. I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life, blah, blah, blah. He said, I'm here to develop you and what looks best in your career. And I think that's an important conversation to have as well with the mentee mentor is that it's it's not staying a job. And I think that can be tricky sometimes with work mentoring programs because there's that kind of hidden conversation of, oh, are you just kind of, you know, pulling me along to keep me in this 
role. I was going to ask you the question, do you think mentoring can happen within a work environment? Depends what it's for. Depends on the objective, I think. I think it's quite. it can be quite tricky, yeah. If it happens in the work environment, is it mentoring or coaching? It could even be advising rather than mentoring or coaching. It can, it can be tricky because I think people have vested interests in workplaces and, you know, your manager is, or your like, the person you report to is going to have a vested interest in, you know, you staying in the team, et cetera, or, you know, you know, of course, like, you know, achieving your goals and things like that. But yeah, I can, I think it can be tricky. It's like, you know, the shareholder of a company, you know, they're going to want the company to grow and be successful. Is that, you know, what's in the person, individual's best interest? It might not be that. It might actually be, you know what, you don't need to achieve lots of goals right now. Go and take care of your family because you've got a family situation going on. Like, that's cool. Just, you know, tone it down a bit. So I think there can be conflicts of interest, you could say. And that's why I think, I don't think in my experience, I don't think I've ever seen a mentoring role work well within an organisation because in my view and in my experience, it flips over to that coaching piece. Mm. So the coaching piece in my view, and really happy to get your thoughts on this as well coaching is a little bit more directional you know Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more real time it's a little bit more this is how you might think about doing this rather than have you considered you know it's just the type so what are your thoughts about the difference between mentoring and coaching depends if you go how far on the extreme coaching you go because i think some coaching is around you know, you're not really bringing, you know, you just bring the questions as a coach and it's for the person to fill in the blanks. And that's, I think, the the more extreme level where then there's kind of a blend in between where you're giving your personal advice and personal stories and then asking questions. I think it takes, really takes something to not give any answers or any advice or fill in any blanks. So I think in the pure coaching form, then, then you know, that is also part of a leader's role often to to coach the person. It actually just reminded me of the uh, Senate Army leadership has got this great spectrum of leadership styles. So they talk about transactional all the way up to transformational. And I think often that could fit into the mentoring piece too of sometimes you need to be transformational and sharing, here's something inspiring, you know, and that those kinds of questions versus um, sometimes you might need to be more direct with your questions and being that kind of pace setting style, which is one of the other styles they talk about. So I think adaptability is, is important for these relationships. As you know, it, it grows and evolves over time. So I think, yeah, the main the, the main difference with coaching is asking the questions where I feel like mentoring is more of a guiding approach. Yeah, look, I think I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think what's clear to me is that, you know, in the leadership paradigm that we all operate in on a daily basis, we're going to need coaches, we're going to need mentors, we're going to need peers, we're going to need a whole range of people Mm. available to support us right and i'm going to throw another one into the mix what about sponsors Mm. have you had sponsors yeah i have um clearest sponsor i ever had was a a guy i used to work with at a a national organization where i said to this person i I want to be a ceo but i need an opportunity to lead the organization's most important strategic project and he said to me let me find it and I'll, i'll get you in there and he did exactly that and the reason that was important for my career is he took it upon himself to go and advocate for me, if that makes sense. And in mm. my experience, that's what a mentor, sorry, a sponsor often does. They will advocate for, they will take the positive steps to look for or on behalf. So look, I think a sponsor is a really important person in a leader's journey. Probably in my experience, and 
keen to get your thoughts on this. In the earlier leadership journey, rather than once you become more seasoned, what do you think about that? Yeah, I haven't thought about it in that way before, but I yeah, I'd agree. Having that sponsorship early on, it's kind of before you before your leadership famous, before you're known, and so then they can advocate for you in rooms that you might not be in. And certainly, it's been incredibly helpful. And I feel like a bit of a secret source to when we started power of engineering and got partners because we met with leaders in the industry and they had decades of experience, decades of networks. And I didn't have that. I was a junior burger engineer with five years experience, didn't know what I was doing. And so they advocated for for our work and that helped us get partners and, and, and our actual sponsorship in the end. And incredibly powerful, whether it's for, you know, like we did in the not-for-profit getting funding or for a role because that sponsor is going to be in in different rooms that you're going to be in and so they can put you forward. And it actually, I think, can be a bit of a problem solver for people where if you're known to different sponsors, you're actually helping them by filling in opportunities. So I think it's a great way to accelerate into leadership in the beginning and then, you know, it turns around, you can be a sponsor for other people as well. Let me ask you this question. So to be an effective mentor, guide, coach or sponsor, Do you think that you need to have technical understanding of the sector that the mentee is operating in to be effective? Hmm. I'm going to say it depends on what problem you're solving for. I feel it's a very engineering way to answer your question, Brett. I think the context can be really powerful, but then also human beings are human beings. So there's human ways of doing things. So, yeah, I think it would depend on, on what I was solving for. For for me, certainly, there's a lot of context in, say, construction and engineering and the world that I come from and even the culture of how things work and navigating certain situations and the way things are done. But then not having that gives a fresh perspective. So I think it kind of, I don't know, it depends on where you're going. And if it's a leadership role, like I think leaders actually are about bringing people together. So then technical experience isn't always valuable in that situation. In fact, I'd say the people side of things is more important. So it depends on where you're going. What do you think? The reason I ask is because I was just sort of reflecting and getting ready for today's chat. I don't think I've ever mentored somebody from within the same sector that I've been in. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like I've mentored a couple of engineers and I had no idea about engineering. I'm not smart enough or I don't think analytically like that at all, right? And so sort of getting ready, I thought, I asked myself that question, you know, do you need to be technical? I think the answer there is, in my view, to be a mentor, no, because the mentor is almost, as we discussed, that self-exploration piece about Mm. it's the leadership of self before you can lead others, all that type of stuff that you and I have talked about before, right? I think if you're getting into that coaching piece, that might be a little bit different where you probably may from time to time need to have a little bit more of that technical understanding, Mm. particularly if you're actually got a technical problem to 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 solve if that makes sense yeah i feel like there's a really cool venn diagram that's going to overlap sponsorship mentoring industries all those different things that you've talked about and sponsorship you know it would make sense to have someone in the same industry advocating for you so yeah. bit of a case by case basis have you ever you know, how have you got a mentor on board yourself? How have you gone and found one? Because that's a question that I often get asked a lot is how do you go find a mentor? Where do you even start? So the first time it ever happened to me, it's funny, I was looking for a new job many years ago um, and I was talking to a recruiter and this recruiter said, oh, you know, I'll paraphrase here. Do you know this person or this person? In effect, what he was trying to understand was what was my connection, you know, mm. in, 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 the, in, the, in the city. And I said, no, look, I don't. And And he said, 
I think it'd be good for you to start to know these people because as you go through your career, they could help you. And so the first time I ever sort of got a mentor was as a direct result of me looking for another job. And it was simply where somebody said to me, I want to introduce you to person X. I met with person X. We had a coffee. And over the coffee, we just had this connection. And I actually just thought, off the, you know, off the cuff, I said, I'd love to catch up with you more often. And maybe we could have a more formal relationship where you'd be my mm. mentor. And this person said, absolutely, would love to do that. I think we've got a connection. And so that happened. And that was the first time that it ever really happened to me. Since then, I've sort of had mentors that are not about work, but more so about self. And, you know, I've spoken on the podcast before about the person that asked me the most important question of my life, which is who is the most important person in your life? And that's, of course, me, because as we know, you can't do anything for anyone else if you can't look after self. Now, that guy there lives in a different country. We haven't seen each other for years. Mm. Every six or eight months, I'll just send him a note. Hope you're going well. Hope, you know, thinking about you, blah, blah, blah. And he'll just come back. Good to hear. Are you sticking true to this? Bang, bang, bang. So for me, I think you've got to just take the opportunity when you find it. You may not even know that you meet a mentor or need a mentor until you're having a conversation with somebody and you just literally feel that connection. So what about you? How have you sought to identify mentors? Well, it's been a few different ways. Some by, I think the first one was by accident where I was sharing about the work that we'd done with Power of Engineering, our first event, it was to a friend's flatmate. And he's like, oh, I'm an engineer. I work at this big gas company, et cetera. And I, I shared what we we're up to. And he said, oh, I think our managing director would be really interested in what, what you're doing. They're not going to care about it, whatever. He said, oh, no, I'll send her an email. Look, dude, if you want to send him an, her an email, then good luck to you. Great. Based on this conversation. And I was so, what's the word? Oh, like unsure of myself, but I was even scared of him sending an email. He was anyway, a sponsor he for you. He was a sponsor for you. He was a sponsor for me. That's right. And he was a grad and I was pretty much a grad. And this is what I think is cool about this story is that you don't need someone who is, you know, a big dog executive to make an introduction. So he sent her this email. She said, sounds great. Love to have a chat. So I'm standing outside her office. I remember I was in Brisbane on George Street. I'm Googling her like 15 minutes before the meeting. Oh, my God, she's on the Reserve Bank of Australia. She's amazing. Got to this meeting, share a bit about what we've been up to, and she said, I think this could be a national organisation. I think you could really go for it. I thought, she's just met me. What is she talking about? Then I thought, you know what? She is this amazing woman who's done all these things. If she thinks that, then who am I to argue with her? that I couldn't go be this amazing person and go create this. So we did and, you know, the, you know, went from there. But I catch up with her about once a year. It's about an hour. She's incredible. I've gone over to England and said, hey, I'm going to England. Any cool people over there I should meet? Introduced me to the CEO of Shell, former Australian politician, all these amazing people. And she also helped us with partnerships as well. And it's been so cool to... You know, even just once a year chatting with her and she's always open for advice, even though she's an incredibly busy person. And yeah, so it was a you know random connection, just sharing what I wanted, you know, sharing what I was up to. But then there's been some more formal ones where I've, you know, heard someone speak. My most recent mentor heard her speak, stalked her at the event. Hey, can I have coffee with you? Yeah, let's catch up on LinkedIn. Okay, great. Let's do it. And away we went. So I think it is like you said, those people that you find a connection with. And I think also if you don't find a connection with them, you can say, do you know someone in your network that you think would, you know, could help? Because people want to help people They and very genuinely, you know, want to. So, yeah, a lot of it's been introductions, but also some um, light stalking. I think that's a really important thing. And social media, 
you know, you can do that nowadays. I mean, I'm still not hip enough to, to understand what to do. But anyway, it's because I'm the wisdom worker, but I'm learning Felicity. I'm learning Felicity. Let me ask this question. So give me an example of what's gone bad for you from a mentoring perspective. And why did it go bad? And what have you learned from it? One that comes to mind, which is from the same person that said, it doesn't matter if you don't work here anymore, said you've got to be more adversarial and be more kind of argumentative and aggressive. And so I interpreted that as that's the only way I need to be going forward. And I guess I didn't agree, but I didn't actually have the courage to say, I don't agree or why do you think that or unpack that more. I just went, okay, just accepted it. So I think looking back, I wish I'd had more courage to actually have a conversation about it and say, you know, here's what, you know, what do you mean by that? What do you think about that? And then the other ones where it hasn't gone well is that I thought, oh, this person's been successful in their corporate career. I'm going to go get mentoring from them. But actually I'm running a small business and it's a startup in a completely different sector and I'm looking to them for that advice mentorship. And so kind of those wrong matchings or where it's been, I'm a young female, then the person hasn't understood that context. And so then their advice has been a bit skewed. So I think really understanding how you fit in and how they fit into the picture and that people's advice is going to come from their own experience. And sometimes people aren't aware that it's their context and their story and it's not always a fit for you. Yeah. How about I, you? I had one example where I had this mentee and and, and they it's it's the little things that really matter, right? And it's part of this, how do you make the relationship successful? And what do what does a mentor expect of a mentee and vice versa? They never ever turned up on time, number one. Second thing is they never ever sent me any questions in advance. And so it was almost like we were starting from scratch every single time mm. and the reason that I say that it was it was a negative was I let it go on for too long like it was 12 months wow and at the end one day they just didn't call me back now maybe they didn't like me as a mentor and that's absolutely fine right but I knew it didn't feel right for me from the very first moment and rather than actually ending the relationship right there and then I let it I I, I tried to make it work if that makes sense and I think mm. getting back to this this conversation we had early on there has to be a connection between the mentor and the mentee, right? Mm. If there is no connection, I think you've just got to you've got to be pretty brutal about it. It's a business transaction after all, you know, and you've got to say, no, nah, this isn't working. Mm. So you know, I think that's I learned from that, call it early, call it directly, be respectful, of course. But if it doesn't feel right in mm. the relationship sense, then it's probably not going to be right. And, you know, I wasted a lot of time, as this person probably felt, that I was giving yeah. nothing back to them as well, right? So that that's that's an example for me where I've learned. I've really mm. learned. One thing that really surprised me, you just reminded me of it, was that a lot of mentors I've had have said, lots of people have ideas, but not many people follow through on them or come to me with solutions. And that was so powerful, particularly CEOs. They said so many people come to me with problems. I'm, I'm not sure you're nodding, so I'm guessing you've experienced that as well, Brett. And I thought, wow, that's such a simple way to stand out. And like you said, it's emailing, here's the questions I've got. But also I do try and make an effort of following up, whether mm -hmm. it's within a few days of saying, hey, thanks for your advice, here's the action I've taken, or hey, you said to do this and I've gone and done that. And that I think mentors have really, I've noticed they've really appreciated. And I think, you know, someone or, or you know, oh, I tried that, didn't quite work or realised that's kind of not for me as well, I think is okay to, to say too. Because then you're helping guide the conversation, but also, yeah, showing thank you so much. That was really valuable. And I feel like it's a way to appreciate your mentor as well. It's the respect piece, right? And it's like, we all want to be accepted. We all want to be important, right? 
And I agree. I, the, the things that make a difference for me as a mentor is where somebody says thank you, they follow up. You know, that follow-up piece, it's like, oh, great, that person, bang, they're really on this. You know, they're really invested in the relationship as opposed to, you know, somebody who doesn't or doesn't prepare mm. anything. Oh, I, I think that's absolutely right. Now, reverse mentoring, I'm getting in before you get me because I've got no idea what it is. In getting ready for this, you put forward reverse mentoring. What is reverse mentoring? So I understand it. And tell well, me what are the benefits and opportunities? You've also you've already talked about it actually, Brett, because reverse mentoring is where you get something from the mentee. So oh, it's right. someone who's, I guess you could say, you know, almost kind of like us, maybe you're getting something from our conversation. I, I you do. Can say, um, you know, my career, a more junior person. So it's reverse mentoring is where you get mentored by, a senior person gets mentored by a more junior person and they learn from each other. I guess you could have it in more of a, structured proactive way in a mentoring program but a lot of companies are are doing this and I guess showing what young people are learning and bringing that into senior leaderships sometimes it's a more formal thing but it sounds like you're naturally doing it anyway Brett so don't worry about it well maybe it's just because the people that I mentor are so bloody good at what they do that (laughs) I'm just like a sponge you know well that's good I, I, I really had no idea about what that was actually um let me ask you another question that's sort of out of left field Paying for or not paying for a mentor? Ooh, I've never, I've personally never paid for a mentor. I've paid for a coach. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, no, have I. I've never paid for a mentor, but I've paid for a coach. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I would if there was the right, like, I'm, you know, I've paid extensive amounts of money for coaching personally, and they've been highly effective in terms of, yeah, for all different things. I'm big on personal development and started that journey when I was 25 and has made you know, incredible difference to who I am. So I definitely would be pro it, but I haven't done it. I feel like it's more like that relationship, like you said, Brad. It's I think it changes the dynamic, right? Coaching, it's all, it almost comes back to what you said before. The coach's role is to question you and to mm-hmm. drive you more directly almost, right? And so the reason I asked the question is because I was reflecting about a coach I had, paid a lot of money to, and I didn't get the best out of it. And I don't know if that was me or if it was the coach. I don't think I truly understood the difference in the transactional piece. You know, with the mm-hmm. mentoring, it is, as you said, the relationship. But in the coaching, it was like a little bit more directive. So, yeah, it's just a question I wanted to ask. Yeah, I think in the mentoring, it can be a win-win. So often the mentors I've had are wanting the same things that I do in the sense of, and I think this is an important point when I speak to people about finding the right mentor for you is, does it align with you know their values and what they want to achieve? So often mentors that I've had or, or sponsors as well, actually, they want to see diversity happen in engineering. So they're happy to give their time and knowledge to someone like myself who has more energy and time to go deliver something and go out and speak to young people about it. So there's definitely that win-win there. So I think that's a great foundation for that relationship is, I mean, of course, being values aligned, which I know you're big on, Brett, but also having it be that not they has to, like people have to get something out of it. I think naturally you do, but having that win-win on, well, we've got, we're wanting to achieve good in the world or similar kinds of objectives, I think is a really positive thing for the relationship. And tell me about, you know, in the post-COVID world, have you seen a change in the way that the mentor-mentoring relationship is operating you know, is it more digital versus face-to-face? And, and if so, what do you think? This is, is it, can it still be as effective? I have different things for different mentors. I know there are mentors that I have who do love the face-to-face. So I deliberately 
see them face to face. And I actually think it's a really good excuse to catch up with people because you mm. go, hey, I'm in Sydney for the week. Let's catch up. It kind of forces people. It's a strong word in a relationship, but encourages people. Go, oh, you're here for the week. Okay, let's catch up. So I do have my actual, man, this is revealing too much, my little list of my mentors. So when I go, oh, I'm in Sydney. Oh, who can I look up? Or I'm in Melbourne. Who can I catch up with face to face? So I think it's that continuous building, you know, building the relationship ongoingly. And particularly if there's something that does happen, like in this recent situation where I did have a challenge and I really wanted that support and advice, that person was available because I'd invested that time. Uh, where I have been doing some digital ones. I think I do think face-to-face for relationships is is gold. And I do try and do that as much as I can because I just think it's so there's that connection there that's that can be tricky online. But also, we have a young family. I live on the Sunshine Coast. Not a huge amount of people up here. And they, from my career, have been in Melbourne and Sydney a lot. So do face-to-face where I can. But I think it's still possible to develop something online. It's just a bit different. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I always like to have the face-to-face. It's Yeah. I just think it is that palpable connection piece, you know, and it's almost like you feed off the energy. And you can still do it, you know, via digital means. In my experience, it's that, it's that face-to-face piece. It really, mm. really it does help. What's your view about mentoring whilst walking or or running or anything along those lines? My, um, one of my previous managers would always do or would often do walking meetings with me. Go, let's go for a walk around the park. I love it. And actually, I heard something about when you know on Zoom, where you know, like we're on right now, we're face to face. And apparently, you know, human beings, we don't often do face to face where you're staring directly. And it's actually, I heard something about not you have better conversations or you can connect better when you're driving a car because you're side by side with someone. Yeah. So you're not actually like, I feel like in combat eye to eye. And I feel like walking meetings are like that as well because you're often walking, you're not walking, you know, facing each other. Yeah. So apparently it's supposed to be really good for you to bring out a whole different conversation and it's less threatening. That's the word I'm looking for. So yeah, there can be, I think, even better connection. I've, I've had something similar. Uh- from a consultant some years back where they were talking about having hard conversations in the work environment. If you sit, sit in effect, at 45 degrees and you have something to focus on mm. so you're not actually having that direct conversation, it actually does the same thing. It lets you, lets you focus on the issue rather than the interaction. So mm. not dissimilar. Look, I love mentoring meetings when you're walking. I find it really relaxing, particularly when it's four to six weeks or so between actually having a conversation because, you know, if you're only new into the relationship of mentoring and mentee, it's almost like you've got to build that rapport every single time. So I really do try and, and do the walking walking and talking thing as well. I think it works really, really well. I'm going to use that for our next catch-up right in person. I'll bring up. It's good for a baby and a pram. So we can have bring a. Jemima. I'll bring Jemima. We can have a walk around with pram and uh, have some mentoring. I love that. Anything else you wanted to ask about mentoring, Brett? I feel like we've totally gone off track of our question plan, but it's been good. I think mentoring can be great if you get the right relationship. I think it's got to be a two-way relationship, and I've learned that reverse mentoring thing. It's got to be a two-way relationship. I think the final thing I'd say is it takes two to party, right? You can only dance the foxtrot if somebody is leading and somebody is following. And so in my view, it's up to the mentee to lead by being prepared, having the question so that the mentor can follow mm-hmm. by actually having somewhere to go. They're the three things I would say. I like that. I agree. I think the mentee, there's a responsibility there to lead the conversation and then bring to that conversation what you need and being authentic about that. 
The one thing I just want to finish on as well and add in, which I was just reflecting as you were sharing, Brett, was for some people it can be quite tricky to find mentors. If you say, for example, I'm I don't have any family who were engineers. I didn't know anyone in the industry when I started out. So I feel like there was a big learning curve and a big gap for me in terms of my networks and my relationships. And I think there's an important piece around democratizing access to mentors and getting people to access the people that are going to really move them forward. And sometimes it can be tricky because you're stuck in an environment or you're in a workplace which you might not have exposure to a lot of people, particularly early in your career when those sponsors and mentors can make a big difference. Have you got any, this final question for you, have you got any advice on how would you access some of those mentors? I know we aspire, we try and bring them in on our Elevate events and, and have a whole range of people to expose others to and diverse mix as well. But how have you, you know, have you got any advice for people who are thinking, oh gosh, where do I even start? Well, I think, you know, you look at the digital environment we're all operating in right now, right? The ability to get information from people that you would never ever have had information before is Mm. right there at your fingertips. So that's the first thing I'd say. Second thing is, you know, it's almost the interconnected nature of the world now. It's easier for you to reach out to somebody that you've never met before and say, you know what, I loved what I saw you do on whatever the platform might be. I'm interested in hearing more. Similar to what you talked about before, right? Mm. So I think, They're the things that I would say. You know, I've been mentoring somebody for about four or five years now and I asked this person this this question once, just recently. I said, who is the person that you want to work with most? And so they're actually, it's been a number of months now, they're they're trying to think through that. And so what I would say is if if you're trying to see where you want to go and who the right mentor is, then who's the idol Mm. that you want to go after and work with? Find them learn about them and reach out to them because, you know, you can do that, you know, you, mm. you can do that. So there, there's some examples where I think, you know, if you're not sure how to connect or look, you know, podcasts like this are a great example. It's a whole lot of books. There's a whole lot of leadership stuff out there now. I think just be open to actually asking people who you don't know. I think that's such a powerful point. And I often say to people, and if you are listening to this podcast, please feel free to reach out. And I'm shocked at people just don't, people don't ask. And one of my mentors who's incredible, Elsa Shepard, she actually passed away earlier this year, as you know, Brett, she said, people love being asked for help. And when she said that to me, I was like, really, is that true? And I felt like I went on a little experiment mission testing it out. And I don't recall people saying no. You know, sometimes they might not reply to an email. So follow up more than once. Don't just leave it at the first, you know, email. Have a really compelling pitch. So, hey, I love your advice. Here's where I'm going. Create that win-win. Here's the goal. Here's what I'm looking to achieve. Get people excited about you and what you're up to and then really make that request for help. And even recently we were in the UK on holidays and my husband Michael said, I'd love to talk to the Centre for Army Leadership because we've been reading about all their amazing what they've got, you know, been teaching leadership for 350 years. Incredible, the British Army. So he reached out to the head of, of the centre. He'd been in the role a couple of months. He said, perfect, I'd love to have a chat. We spent three hours at Sandhurst, the Leadership Academy in the UK, walking around, meeting his team, learning everything from them. And it was absolutely brilliant. I was a bit shocked that we even got a meeting. But, you know, the power of asking and now we spent that time with them. We've got such a great connection and I'm really looking forward to learning more from them about leadership and bringing that into the work that we do. So, yeah, maybe that's a question we can leave our listeners with is who can you ask? Great question. 
look forward to getting lots of requests. Yes, yes. Likewise, bring them in. Well, thanks, Brad. It's been an awesome discussion as always. I love your uh, curveballs and I'm always on edge with what questions you're going to ask, but it's been a fantastic discussion and thank you for letting us learn from you. See you next time. Excellent. Excellent.